Xbox coming up as a contender. And a new proprietary patent. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as he is for all but one episode that he will never live down, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 138. Mm. Lucky, lucky, lucky. Lucky, lucky. Anyway... If you guys are just now joining us for the first time, we are, like we said, a PlayStation-based podcast, but we do talk about the competition, and that's actually what we're intending to do with this episode. Uh, in case you are unaware, uh, we like to keep in on the on the competition a lot, and uh, of course, I do still own an Xbox One, albeit I barely, very, very rarely play it. Uh, but the XO, um, I would say, I shouldn't say XO nineteen. I guess that might have been what it was, but I think it was actually just a um, Xbox. Help me out here. What's it I called? How am I, how am I it missing? is XO twenty nineteen. Xbox Inside was that it, or was it XO nineteen? It is XO nineteen. Okay, I just want to be sure. That's why you threw me off when you said help me out here. Like help you out with what? Okay, cool. I was, I, for some reason, I was thinking it was an Inside Xbox, but you're right. It was XO nineteen. Um, anyway, it came and passed and uh, brought with it a lot of huge announcements for the Xbox side. And now part of what we're going to do with this episode is uh, this comes, I already thought it myself whenever we were, whenever I was looking at all the announcements that were coming, uh, one of our uh, previous patrons and a good friend of ours, Mr. Blake, uh, has finally gotten back into gaming. He's doing a lot of catching up. And as someone who likes Xbox and has played on it just as much as he's played on PS4 this gen, it seems, um, he he thought and, and sent over to our direction, you know, a, a, a question that we'll get into later, but he is the reason that we're kind of partially talking about this a lot as thought as ourselves. And we like to bring in community-based topics, and it was a very poignant one, I think. So, uh, with that said, we do talk about all the competition and what they do, what we'd like to see them do that PlayStation does, that we think that they do better, what we see that we think that the competition does better that we'd like to see PlayStation do, be it EA, Xbox, a pub- on the publisher level, or even on the, uh, on the manufacturing hardware level. Uh, but... If you like what we're doing here and you want to watch us, you can do so on YouTube every Monday at 12 p.m. PST and 10 a.m. CST. I did that backwards. And if you want to uh, give us your thoughts on the things we're talking about down in the comments below, we'd love to hear your thoughts on anything uh, from the main topic to the community's take to anything. Um, and if you want to listen to us because it's easier for you, more convenient, you can find us on podcast services, be it Google Play Music, iTunes, uh, Podbean has an app that you can actually comment and, and talk to us that way if you'd like. If you're listening on iTunes and you like what you're hearing, consider giving us a review. Uh, let's other people know that we are worth their time. If you think that, that we are, uh, we'd love if you felt that way and, and would go out of your way a little bit to do that for us but if not we completely understand and with that said you can find us on uh social media if you want to be part of the conversation with us in a different way you can find us on twitter at triangle sqrd on facebook in a group called triangle squared a playstation podcast or you can find us in our day-to-day moment to moment lives more often than not over on our discord that we always keep linked down in the description below we have chat rooms for everything from just general chat hanging out with everybody to discussion of the podcast of any level of what you want to talk about uh the community's take section where you can give your answers for the community's take that we ask at the end of every episode as well as more specific channels for things like death stranded discussion right now um the uh of course pokemon sword and shield just came out so any of our members of our community that are playing that also have that ability and with that said if you want to last but not least for sure if you'd like to support us on patreon you can head over and get content early support us i've got some great ideas for some christmas stuff coming up that i want to do uh, but we will reach out to our patron fans and give that and then once we have a for sure idea we'll share it on the podcast but i've been talking enough it's time to get this show started the right way 
and saw this is the first time I've ever done this, but it's blazing hot back here. You're going to get up and go turn the AC down while yes. I tell everybody what I've been playing? Yes. So and this, I will listen as best I can. Yes. So this week's been a little bit different than normal weeks. Normally you hear Destiny 2 in there. I actually haven't played any Destiny 2 at all uh, this week. And I do mean really at all. Um, I pretty much have been playing Death Stranding the entirety of my week. Every day I get off work and I play a couple hours of it. And I just got to chapter five, uh, which technically chapter four doesn't really count because chapter four is just really is really short. And no spoilers. That's not a spoiler, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah. So on Friday I got I got off and wanted to hang out with the wife, and I downloaded Pokemon and we went and, and hung out. And yesterday I pretty much played Pokemon all day long while we were still kind of hanging out. And today I've been playing Pokemon. So I stopped playing Death Stranding Thursday and been playing Pokemon ever since with a fr- with Friday being kind of an off day from video games. And I am thoroughly enjoying Pokemon Sword. Um, more so than I thought I would. Did not really enjoy Sun and Moon all that much. But yeah, this what this is the redemption arc for this game. This is real fun for me. Or for the series, I guess we should say. Yeah, for the series. Uh, because I know that... Okay, did you play... A considerable chunk of of uh, um, Sun and Moon, and then any of Ultra Sun and Moon. No, nope. were you like me, where you played part of Sun and Moon, but it didn't click I, with you, and then you didn't, you just skipped Ultra completely. I beat the story of Sun and Moon. I thought the story within that game was actually fairly done fairly well, um, but that was really about it. There was only like five or six designs from that gen or from that game that I really cared for, and. Something Sword and Shield, I think I think one reason I enjoy Sword and Shield so much is because it reminds me a lot of X and Y in terms of the way the cities are built, the customization, stuff like that. And I loved X and Y. And see, X and Y was such a weird comeback for the series after the kind of, and I know there's a lot of people that love it, speaking of which, uh, one of our patrons and good friends, Kiki, um, he loves Black and White and Black and White too. But that, Aside from the fact that it did some cool stuff with the very limited hardware of the DS in terms of trying to bring the game into 3D while still keeping a pixel style, uh, I ultimately thought that that game was just kind of eh. I, I don't know what it was. Maybe I was just burnt out on Pokemon at the time. Uh, but I skipped Black and White 2. I didn't even beat Black and White. I got to the point where you're supposed to fight the Elite Four and end in the story. Never even tried. Didn't lose. It wasn't anything like that. No frustration. It was just the game's pull on me completely left me. And I said, ah, I don't care. Um, it wasn't until X and Y where I came into that game and played only that game for so much time that it was like, oh, this is kind of amazing, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I feel you on that. You know, when you're dealing with the Pokemon games, do you think that you like it more because of the fact that you loved it so much? Is it like a nostalgia pull that the little bit wrong that Sun, that Sun and Moon did was enough to kind of pull you out of the nostalgic zone but this does just enough right to pull you right back into it pretty much yeah like there there's not like a lot of nostalgia in this game but then again there's not a lot of nostalgia in like x and y and stuff um but i really i, well, re- I mean it's nostalgic it's pokemon it's kind of what i mean yeah you know? i guess yeah that makes sense um but i really I really think I enjoy it so much because it does remind me of X and Y. X and Y was so fun because that was my first foray back into Pokemon as the game came out because I didn't do that for any... I, the last time I did that was Platinum, technically. Yeah. Um, if you want to count real games, like, or real... Um, a real score for that would be Diamond. But um, 
it was so fun to go through and and check out you know all the new Pokemon in X and Y and the new locations and the way the game was built uh, with the newer like character models and stuff and that's kind of what this feels like is it's really cool to go through and talk to every single person and go through and see the Pokemon in the wild area. It's cool to go and customize my trainer to make me to make him look as close as he can to me, and it just it feels a lot like X and Y where. All these Pokemon are new, and even though I'd spoiled myself throughout the entirety of the spoiler season with the with all the new Pokemon, mm-hmm. um, it's still so cool to see them out in action. And then, of course, you know I didn't see everything, and I and I don't remember everything that I saw. So it's just like it's just a fun new experience. Okay, well, whether or not I get it soon is a, is a good question. But once I do, I know we got a lot of people in the community that are playing, and uh, I'll have uh, plenty of people to play with if I get down. Uh, I guess i got to get it soon. Our co-worker, Andrew, and, and our longtime friend, we've had plenty of Pokemon battles with. Uh, we have a long-running game where we talk mess to each other, so uh, we have a one-month time limit past the game coming out that we're supposed to have our competitive teams ready to go so that we can all compete. <laughs> I don't know if you're part of that or not. I am. I was, the one I, that told, you were. I was the one that told Andrew one month. Okay, good, good. So, all right, well, um, so that's it? Just Death Stranding and that? Just Death Stranding and Pokemon. That's what I figured. Um, for me, just Death Stranding. Uh, I didn't get a chance to play what I intended to play just due to being weirdly busy with a bunch of stuff this week. I, like I mentioned last episode, I've gotten I, – I've, I've, I'm giving into my creative side a little too much, and I'm kind of putting myself into too much at once, so I'm trying to do a lot. But uh, with that said – uh, I did buy uh, Black Desert Online uh, because Donovan, my my long time, literally since I was a little baby boy um, friend, he is playing it and he's been loving it. And I've always been curious about it because it kind of stands in a very different style of MMO than most current MMOs do. Uh, and with that, some of the things I liked about the Elder Scrolls Online was like real-time combat. It's one of my favorite things about DC Universe Online. Uh, and it bringing back that, I love. Uh, I think that that's a fantastic idea. And I love seeing that. And it makes it a little bit easier for me to hop in and play and feel like I'm getting more done out of my time since I can't play in the time that I feel like would, would be required for me to get into a game like Final Fantasy um, 14 online. Yeah. So yeah, I, I tend to start playing that with him uh, this week. Um, and I was just, I was out of town this weekend, so I haven't started anything else besides that. But I've been playing Death Stranding and enjoying it a lot. Uh, and we'll get into that in a minute, actually. So since that's pretty much the end of what we've been doing, a little bit more of a slow week on what games we've been playing. Um, we're going to go over to the fact that I forgot to put out a tweet for or anything on the social media sites for the community's take. So instead what we have is a couple of um, inadvertent answers where it was just people replying to the fact that we were talking about death stranding and, and sharing their own things. And over on Twitter, we have a uh, good friend and longtime listener, Mikey 12, uh, who is absolutely loving the game. And, uh, you know, we were giving our very early impressions. I think Saul and I were both in chapter three at the time, or I was right outside of chapter three. Um, and I've now surpassed Saul, <laughs> but, uh, yes. With that said, uh, he says, you know, talking about Chapter 3 being a big changing point, which I indeed agree that it was. Uh, but, you know, the, the basic question that we were trying to ask is, if you have Death Stranding, was it, what is it about it that you are loving if you are loving it? Uh, and if you don't like it or if you, didn't, if you don't intend to buy it, what is it about it that's keeping you from enjoying it or wanting to enjoy it or wanting to buy it? And, uh, you know, Mikey over here, we, one of the things we were talking about that he mentioned that he really loved, and Saul and I both mentioned as well in the uh, thing, 
but was the the four the random music cues when you're just traveling and it very much is random it, it's something i've been trying to understand of is there something that happens in the game that leads you to like every time that this is starting to come up you're like okay i'm gonna get music and I, I haven't been able to key that down yet at all yeah there's times where i'm like okay music's gonna start nothing uh, I love then there's it. times where i'm like surely no music is gonna play right here and then it starts <laughs> Yeah, I love it. So it it is very much so random music cues. Um, but you know, he he said coming over a mountainside and the song starting to play, camera pans out. He's a sucker for that. And I do think that that's one of uh, depending on what you like about games. I think this goes back to the No Man's Sky argument of the game is a lot different in style. But if you have a if you like games that let you kind of relax in a weird way. But engage in a weird way, which I think this game does, and I also think that's what Death Stranding, I mean, what No Man's Sky does, uh, in a case where it's like there is something real for you to do there. Um, I hope you fix that later. I am trying. But anyway, um, but you know, when you're in those games, it's like you have to be engaged enough because, like, it's for as calming and relaxed and not that action packed as No Man's Sky can be most of the time. Definitely when it was at launch. What you're kind of dealing with in that game is needing to keep up with life support and making sure that you're not carrying too much and inventory management and a lot of things that you see in survival games, uh, which I think inadvertently Death Stranding does have a lot of survival game mechanics in it like we were talking about. So it's in this situation where both of these games have moments where they're really there's not a lot going on in terms of action that you're seeing on screen but there's micromanagement going on that if you're the kind of person that likes that then it gives you a sense of immersion and like you're just part of the moment and you're engaged and i think that this helps that it's like you know you're going through that and it's relaxing in a weird way for people that like that and then this music comes on and it just gives a wash over you of even more of a relaxing tone um so I think that that's definitely good. And uh, one of the things that we mentioned here and that I agree with on is that, you know, it, it surprised me when it came up and he said the same for him. And it's like, you know, I don't dislike it by any means. It was just a surprising thing and it's very cinematic and it hits the vibe for the gameplay just right. So where it comes together, and it's one of those things to where you don't expect it, but at the same time when it hits, it doesn't feel odd. Right. And that's a weird thing because sometimes you feel like you should, or a lot of people feel like, with how we how inundated with media we are with these days you feel like you have a sense of having a when something happens you're like there was a little bit of me that expected the the possibility of this happening but when this came i didn't expect this at all but it didn't feel odd or stand outish to me at all in a bad way it wasn't like a oh what, what was this and i feel like the game does that a lot it has a lot of moments where it looks at things that seem seem like they might be odd coming in but once they come in even though you didn't expect them they work well with the game um, so that was about the only one that we really got. I apologize for not getting it up there. I have been saying this for a long time, but I will make it so that I set an alarm to make sure I do not forget it. Uh, that way, when I'm even in the middle of busy days, I can make sure I get it posted up. Because we love the community stake section, and I think it's one of the funner new sections that we introduced into the show. But with that said, means we are through with that and Heading we do have to news. be a little bit quicker on this episode because i got some stuff going on we are really professional <laughs> very very professional uh let me pull up my, my news notes and we can get showing going on the show of news it's an interesting week because uh, i think sony probably expected xo19 to blow up so there's not a lot that pertains very particularly to sony though there is a little bit um a little speculation 
Yeah, there's some stuff. Uh, first thing that actually is in the news that is related to Sony is that Sony's been sending out surveys to PS4 players asking them about their experience with the console across the six years since its release. Uh, this seems to be in preparation of the PS5 as far as I, me as well as anybody should be able to tell, which is roughly about a year out from release. So to get a better idea of what is most important to launch with the console, I'm assuming that Sony's really wanting to get a feel for what people did and maybe didn't like about the PS4. That way they can have an idea of what's best to launch with and then the best plan of action to continue hitting. Um, and, you know, so I'll say this, if you want to help shape what the PS5 will be like, if you get this email or you get this notification, I would say, give them your time. It doesn't take much to go and tell them what you did and didn't like. That way you have a chance of shaping what the console that you're intending on buying will be like. Um, I feel like this ties into something that Jim Ryan was saying about the company going to a global state. Cause you know, used to, you had Sony Japan, Sony Europe and Sony uh, America. Yeah. And now that they're just all under one umbrella with Sony Interactive Entertainment, one of the things he said that was a real problem throughout the PS4's lifespan prior to becoming a, a global entity more so is that you had the issue of different sections of PlayStation working on different things that could not work in other territories for some reason or doing them in very different ways so that when you're trying to bring them together to make sure that you can get something that is across the board of all PlayStation 4s that you have to sit there and undo some work that some people did <laughs> redo other work. Uh, Saul's mic drop. If you uh, have that little visual cue. Uh, so it does seem like part of the idea here is that they'll be able, one of the things he essentially mentioned in that interview is that they'll be able to iterate upon play, uh, PlayStation updates and firmware updates and other feature things they want to do more often and more quickly because of the fact that they won't have to be fighting internally on what's going on and what they're doing. Now that it's a global entity and everything's happening on one global scale and it's one conversation instead of three different conversations that are meeting up in different parts, Seems like a good idea, yeah. uh, and, and I think it's a good time for it. Anything you want to add to that? No, I'm good. Okay. Next up, and this one's fun, Limited Run Games stirred the pot in regards to the constantly reviving rumor of a Naughty Dog returning to the Jack and Daxter series by sharing an image of a Jack 4 commemorative case and theme for the PS4 as an extra goodie for customers who bought all four of uh, Limited Run Games' Jack and Daxter physical releases that they did. The case uses what appears to be concept art for the game that never came to be, but it only serves to fuel the fire that the two, uh, for those who wish to see the series return, which has been something that's been talked about all generation. Um, Naughty Dog kind of fueled the fire themselves early on by talking about before The Last of Us, they were actually discussing uh, and going through ideas of how to return to the Jack series before determining that it just wasn't what they wanted to do. Uh, and that's probably what this came from. Unfortunately. Yeah, man, I got to say, this is one of those things where it's cool and I see what they're doing and I appreciate it, but this is probably not a fantastic idea in terms of the group of people. I don't know how big they would be, but the big group of people are going to feel like this is a little bit of either a slap in the face or a hint that Naughty Dog is indeed working on a Jack 4. I feel like it's going to fuel, it's going to go, there's going to be a group of people who think it's the former and a group of people who think it's the latter. Then there's going to be people like us who are probably like, it's very unlikely that Naughty Dog's coming back to it. This is Where's just that a space cool game thing. See, who knows? And that was so long rumored, which we'll get to as well. There's another thing on here about a long running rumor uh, that seems to be, we're hearing the reason as to why the rumor never came to fruition, despite being apparently true. So, 
Who knows? Uh, next up, though, developer and publisher Grinding Gear Games have revealed a trailer for Path of Exile 2, the next massive expansion, not a standalone game, uh, to their popular free-to-play action RPG. The expansion will serve to overhaul the base game while bringing a new campaign that takes place 20 years after the events of the original. While it is an expansion and will use the same character classes, players who want to play the new story will have to create new characters to work their way through the seven-act campaign. Uh, due to the setup of the game, this is a great thing for a free-to-play game. All existing cosmetics will be usable in the new game expansion, uh, since it's technically one ecosystem, uh, which, while shown off this game in the trailer, the, it's still not planned until a 2020 very late release at the earliest, is what they're saying. Um, looks good. You know, this coming with this off the back of Diablo 4, which also looked quite good, but this is a series that's not wrapped in a lot of controversy, at the moment, and it's also free to play. This is a very smart move. Yeah, I actually think that this is a great move, uh, and it's also a good idea that it doesn't completely leave your characters in the past. It's just that you have to create a new character to play a story that takes place twenty years later, which I kind of understand. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, this is something way later. It's it's almost like I love the idea because it's almost like what you would expect from a new game. You have to create a new character. You can't bring one forward, but everywhere else, the game is still. Workable with the existing character you had, and this new character can continue to exist and do different things as well. Um, so this is good for them. They've done they've done very well for themselves, uh, and I hope to see them still doing that. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised. Well, I'm, I'm, I should say I'm not surprised that they chose to keep this a free to play, even though they probably, with the love they got for the first game, could have made this a budget title with a small barrier of entry and still keep some of the the. Uh, cosmetics and stuff and would have been able to make more money across the board on both. Uh, but it goes to show that there are people who are very strongly utilizing and to a great extent, the free to play model, uh, of course, with Fortnite being the tip top of that example. So, uh, anything one of that? So I hate, I hate Fortnite. Let's go on though. <laughs> <laughs> you hate Fortnite. Okay. All right. Next up, golden joysticks have come and gone and the winners for each category are as follows. And we do this, or I chose to do this to give these games, they're, they're a little light of day for anybody who may have missed them. So best storytelling, and I actually am a little surprised at this, but I agree, is Days Gone. Uh, now, I will say that this has to be, and I know that there's going to people that are going to say this, this is obviously excluding Death Stranding across the board because it's just not part of what they're going on. These awards happened too close to it coming out that it wasn't a contender for that. So just keep that in mind. Uh, best multiplayer game, Apex Legends, which is not surprising. I think Apex is the first and main competitor that came up and really stole some thunder from Fortnite and continues to do very well. Still playing award, no surprise there, Minecraft, though I think Grand Theft Auto V is definitely a contender. Yeah. Um, best visual design goes to Devil May Cry Five. Best indie game goes to The Outer Wilds. Esports game, I hated one of our patrons, Eric, on Twitter, we were talking about something, and I didn't see a screenshot. So he was talking about the Outer Wilds and how he the game wasn't for him and how he didn't like it. But I read it for some reason. Outer Worlds. Outer Worlds. And so I was like, man, that sucks. Because everything he was saying, I was like, I really hope that that's not the way the game goes. Uh, but came back later, he shared a picture of the Outer Worlds like he, lo like he was loving it. So I asked him, you know, are you liking the game now? And I uh, came to find out that I was mistaken. Odd naming choice for games that are so close to each other in release. They literally came out like a week or two apart from each other. But 
Esports Game of the Year, no surprise, Fortnite. Best Audio goes to Resident Evil 2, which is not a surprise, actually. I think that that game, uh, even though I've not played it, I've seen plenty of it. it you got to play that game. I, I know I do. It, I don't know how I'm going to play it before the end of the year. I was seriously talking, like, when we get to Game of the Year discussions, it's going to be really hard to have a... Uh, this year, I, I've skipped out on so many big games. Is that your mic stand? That was my chair. Fun. We got to buy new chairs. Please become a what patron. What was that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I was scared to move. Anyway, next up, best game expansion, GTA Online Diamond Casino update. Best VR slash AR game is Beat Saber. No surprise. People love that game. Best gaming hardware, NVIDIA 20 Series Super Graphics card, in case you care about those things. Best performer, Logan Marshall Green. I don't know what that is. Um, I'm going to assume that is a online player. I, I don't know. That's a good question. Assume. Studio of the Year goes to Epic Games. A little bit of a weird thing, but I'm not surprised. Fortnite obviously has done very well for themselves, even returning uh, from their weird and uh, internet-beloved black hole event where people were throwing things at their screen and breaking their TVs because they couldn't play Fortnite for three days or whatever the hell it was. Best new streamer slash broadcaster is apparently a guy named Ewok. Breakthrough Award House House. I don't know what that is. Mobile Game of the Year, BTS World. Outstanding Contribution, Life is Strange. PC Game of the Year, World of Warcraft Classic, no surprise. PlayStation Game of the Year, Days Gone, no surprise. There's only one until you got, well, only AAA one that probably would have gotten it. I'm a little surprised that um, just because of how positive the reviews were, I was a little surprised that we didn't see Concrete Genie in that. Oh, yeah, well. It, it was received it? very well, but it didn't. Cut off date. I don't know. That's a good question. They didn't really talk about that. Anyway, Xbox Game of the Year, Gears 5, which I think Gears 5 came out pretty close to Concrete Genie, so that may give you your answer right there. Nintendo Game of the Year, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Most Wanted Game, no surprise, Cyberpunk 2077, though I wouldn't have also been surprised if Final Fantasy VII Remake was in that category. Critics' Choice Award, which is actually surprising uh, and very good for Remedy, uh, Control, good for them. Lifetime Achievement, Yu Suzuki, which, if I'm not mistaken, isn't he the guy behind Shinmu 3? Uh, no, nah, that, that, that's a name I don't recognize. You so I could not tell you. We're going to find out. Or is it the guy from... Oh! Who is it? Yeah, he's Shinmu. That's what I thought. Wanted to be sure. And last, but certainly not least, the ultimate game of the year for them, which is Resident Evil 2. So, again, I need to play that. So yeah, now I'm going to yes, get a chance to. Yes, yes, you do. But we got time. We don't do our game of the year until the end of the year, which I actually enjoy. I don't like having to do it prior because I feel like there's a lot of games that come in very late that I'd rather talk about in the year that they came out if possible. We like what I like about game of the year is that's almost like a Christmas episode. We try to keep that like one of our last episodes of the year. Yeah, Christmas if not or New Year's. The last. Yeah, I like that being the exact last episode of the year. Yeah. I think it's a great time. It gives us more time to play some of these games too. When you have yeah, stuff like fifty if, hour Death Stranding coming out. You even know? if like say our ba- our cutoff is like November thirtieth or whatever. Or December first, you know, we, we that gives us enough another full month almost to play the games that we that we want to play or to finish them up for sure. Uh, next up, in case you decided to be a patient gamer, like we talk about constantly on here, Activision seemed to be coming out with a Crash Bandicoot bundle that includes the remakes of the original three games as well as Crash Team Racing, as Amazon has posted listings for the bundle on both consoles. Price isn't shown just yet, but there is a high chance of it being $40, just like the original, or just like both games were when they first came out. Uh, so now's as good a time ever to jump in, uh, and they look to be releasing later this month. So, good to see. 
Uh, despite its mixed reception among consumers and journalists, Death Stranding has nonetheless set a new record as the biggest launch sales of a new IP in Japan this generation. Now, this is... This generation? Yeah, this is not surprising. This is coming from a notable Japanese developer. And this is also one of the few high-profile AAA games to come out as a new IP out of Japan this generation. So it's not the only, but it's one of the only. So it's not surprising that all those things kind of coming together, and of course the hype that surrounded the game, that this would do very well in Japan. Um, We know that Japanese people definitely love their... They have a couple of people that they are very tied to. And if Kojima does so well in America alone, imagine what he does in his home territory. Yeah. So... Yeah, no no surprises there, but congratulations to the team at Kojima Productions. I know the game is very split among people, uh, but you know what? This is still impressive for them, so I'm glad to see it. Uh, in the vein of an old favorite of mine game dev story, which I've talked about in this podcast before that you can play on phones, uh, Mad Games Tycoon brings the video game sim style to consoles and is available now. I mainly put that on there because I want to get this game, and I know there was a couple of people who asked me about game dev story when we were talking about it, and I was talking about playing it on phones. Um so that's where I first played it back in like 2009. Yeah. Well, like it's so old. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably, well, no, it'll be probably 2010. 2010 because yeah. that, you had to have a smartphone. I had to, I had my iPod. Yeah. So, oh yeah. But back when the iPhone came out, but you had just the iPod. Yeah. I had yeah. an iPod and a flip phone. Yeah. And last up, if a Twitter leaker and informant is to be believed, this comes back to the idea of rumors. Uh, Warner brothers have been actively trying to develop an open world Superman game since 2013. This lines up with rumors, of course, from years past, as I was just saying, and the guy who posted it backs it up with concept art of the games showing character designs and more, and again, multiple games. This is showing uh, one game they were doing that was just going to be Superman-based, and then another one that came about that was specifically going to seem to be a tie-in to one of the animated movies that come out and kept going back, as well as mentioning in this thing um, that the... Suicide Squad game that was teased at the end of Arkham Origins Blackgate from uh, Montreal and of course also from Origins from Montreal um, that that got canceled as well and apparently the reasoning and I find this one kind of weird but it's not surprising either because we see other companies do this in a thing I think in a somewhat bad way apparently the games are so hard to get going uh, there was one game that at the time they could not get going because they wanted it to be the Superman game had to be developed in the Arkham engine which is a highly modified version of Unreal Engine 3. And apparently flying was a nightmare to get going. I hate Superman, so I don't want this to be true either I don't. Way. I don't want the game anyway. I don't hate... I mean, okay, I shouldn't say... I don't care for Superman at all. I don't want this he's game. A, he's a... But to say job. that I am surprised that there has not been a successful Superman game, I believe that. I'm surprised that it's not come out and been okay. You know, the last Superman game was what, PS2? If even that. Injustice, technically. Well, yeah, Superman's highly involved, but it's not just him and you can't free roam. Either way, I find that interesting because it was the same problem with Suicide Squad. Apparently, it was also locked into having to use the Arkham engine and they could not get the game to run the way they wanted to uh, within that. So uh, it's weird. I'm not surprised to hear that Warner Brothers, after the success of the Arkham series, is trying to find more of their properties within the DC universe to do that. It's just unfortunate that they tried to do the EA thing that caught Anthem and Dragon Age Inquisition and a bunch of other games uh, into a hellhole of trying to work in the Battlefield engine, so um, the the dice-made engine of Frostbite, 
that works well on some teams. And then the problem, of course, being that the support team that's supposed to help them was more worried about supporting the FIFA and Madden teams uh, than anything else. So that's a weird move. I would have hoped to see Warner Brothers not have the same issue that we've seen plague EA, but can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, so, all right, Saul. I'm going to let you start off with yours first. Saul came across a patent, and let's hear it. Sure. So for those that have been out of the loop with any kind of news this past week, there has been a an earthing of sorts on a patent that Sony currently has filed for back in May. This is for a cartridge. Um, now, a lot of people immediately started speculating that it is for a potentially a new handheld uh, maybe a new kind of add-on for the PlayStation 5. There's a lot of speculation here, and this is pretty much what we're doing. This is no concrete um, news of any kind. This is more of fun speculation. But it turns out that what the the most reasonable point for this would be is a modular SSD. So if you've kept up with us and Sony News, then you know that the new PS5 has an SSD in it, unlike anything we've ever seen before, uh, cutting load times down in games like Spider-Man down to a fraction of a second, wasn't it? it was 0.8 like seconds. 0.8 seconds. So this is something that consoles have never had before like to this level, and you can always do it yourself by buying a uh, SD uh, or an SSD and a... Um, a uh, case for it and just inserting it in the case and then plugging it in via USB or, or putting it in the console. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, putting it in the console yourself. Um, and this, you've been able to do that just for, for no, since PS3. Technically. Um, yep. Yeah. But uh, nobody would have done it. SSDs were very expensive throughout the PS3 life cycle. Yeah. <laughs> and just throwing that out there. If you're curious to what the device looks like in terms of the blueprint of the patent, uh, the, it is in the thumbnail for you guys. Uh, I put it in the thumbnail. Um, but also the Dutch block that discovered the patent itself went ahead and rendered out exactly what uh, the device might actually be. And they are renders of uh, silver and blue um, SSD cards, essentially. Now, uh, let's go digital. They're, uh, they're saying that this is a uh, the device using Sony's own patent illustrations. So this is speculated to be what this is. It's something that... <clears throat> this article mentions that could kill two birds with 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 a single stone because at launch the SSD for the PS5 very well may be 500 gigs. It is kind of expensive to get a one terabyte SSD um, for the consumer. We don't really know what they would pay uh, with being a manufacturer and buying in bulk and stuff like that. But um, they're they're kind of hefty in price. $100 for a Crucial, which is not a great brand with great read-write speeds. You go ahead and you incorporate fantastic, unseen read-write speeds, potentially proprietary software. You're going to pay, you know, they're, they're gonna, it's going to be a little bit more expensive. So it actually might be smart of them to release this as the console's 500 gigabyte SSD and sell these on launch day. One terabyte, two terabyte, three terabyte, something like that. Um, to keep console manufacturing costs down. Now, Which is I'm, something that they have mentioned a very, very, and even Xbox has said this in terms of being in competition to PlayStation, that price point being very aggressive coming into this generation is a huge deal for them. Yeah, and it, it's honestly, it's a repeat of last gen, not our current gen, but last gen, where the software, the hardware, the pricing 
this could very well start back the true console wars that we've kind of seen simmer simmer down to a sense where you see more of the users pushing out the console wars instead of the companies. This may go back to the companies. Well, now what do you mean by that? Out of curiosity, because so, that remember, sounds a little weird, but I, I think I may just be hearing what you're trying to say wrong. Do you remember back in the Xbox 360 and PS3 era and even a little bit before that, they had all those, they had commercials competing with each other. They mm-hmm. were actually kind of, advertising the console war more than anything else uh especially back in ps2 with the whole jack uh or not jack crash bandicoot or ps1 but yes that is ps1 yeah Mm -hmm. so (laughs) when they showed up to the nintendo building yeah and they 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 did a lot of things didn't they 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 had a plenty of them yeah Yeah. but um with a megaphone but uh yeah so what i'm curious about and i don't i don't like console wars at all um but it's almost like a football game it's really interesting to see from the sidelines who's going to win what and the plays they make to uh, to get the outcome that happens. And so people are speculating that since this could be a launch day or a close to launch, uh, maybe holiday Christmas kind of thing to come out for this console, people are also speculating the price. Now, we all know that Sony went into a big disaster move with the memory cards on the PS Vita. And I am pretty sure... What is it? What, what what would you recommend as a as a size for a Vita memory card? Right now, I think I mean sixteen is the minimum. Sixteen sixteen gigabyte minimum. Um, so let's see, thirty dollar. Uh, that is not. Nope, forty dollars. I don't know what this is. That top item looks fake. Probably for a modded that. Vita. Yeah. Um, but so thirty forty bucks for a sixteen gigs, which you can go get a sixteen gigabyte flash drive at anywhere. That sells anything like ten bucks for ten bucks or less. So these things have kind of kept their price. Uh, even the eight gigs are only, or, or I say only, they're twenty five dollars. Um. So, but the point here is now that he's trying to get to is that the the problem they got into the, with this, and I and I know that we had a little bit of a conversation before we started recording, was the, the problem that PlayStation found with the Vita and specifically the memory cards is that honestly the Vita was very highly in terms of the impressions upon the first event was very highly talked about. It was very hyped up. A lot of people were interested in it. The pricing was pr- the pricing for the console was actually great considering yeah. that the 3DS had just come out at the same price with much less hardware in it, the 250, the bottom range one. Yeah. Uh, and the 3DS was a much lesser console. Uh, so a lot of people saw this as a, uh, it had dual analog sticks. It had a lot of the things that people have been asking about, as well as the the talk of remote play and what it might be able to do. So it was very highly Well, and the, and the launch games, too. Yeah, of course. The launch games were fantastic. Gravity Rush and Uncharted. Um, yep. And then there was a, oh, man. I mean, it, it, there was a ton. It was a very great. It was no, right I mean, about it, 2048. Um, no, was, it's a third-person shooter. Unit 13? Unit 13. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But either way, um, you know what, what happened there is that you, you went from having a very hyped-up and great launch that a lot of people were like, man, can't believe Sony's doing so well here, to finally Sony coming out and showing their memory cards and seeing that they were proprietary. They were not micro SDs. They were not SD cards, nothing like that. And that across all of that as well, they were very expensive, um, more so then than they are now. They've actually received price drops, even though I still think that they're even price drop, post price drop, they're still too expensive. Yeah, they sh- uh, that, that that 16 gigabyte should be 20 bucks. Now, at this point, there's no reason for them to drop the prices. I mean, I guess be, just to get them stock out, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, because they, uh, what was it, last year or earlier this year, they completely halted all manufacturing of Vita. Yeah. Um, so, so they just need to get the stock out and cleaned out. And I actually have seen pictures on the PS 
Vita subreddit before of people saying like, "Hey, go to Walmart," and they'll show a picture and a yellow price tag at Walmart means clearance, and it was like nine ninety nine for a sixteen gig. Yeah, that's pretty um, good. So. But people people are kind of getting negative in a sense, and they're speculating that this is a very bad thing, and that it could very well be, since it is potentially something that you can only use on PlayStation, it's something that PlayStation is kind of making themselves with this new age kind of SSD, that these things are going to be ridiculous in pricing, and... What I want to know is well, that well, back up just a hair. So they're not only going to be the the reason that it's a worry that they're ridiculous in pricing is that they would be required. So even though your console would come with one of a certain size, whatever it be, five hundred gigs, one terabyte, whatever. I'm thinking bare minimum one terabyte. But the reason that it's a problem is because unlike PS3 and PS4, where you can upgrade the hard drive with any hard drive and just easily, including an SSD. That's what I was saying. Yeah, uh, that. You can do it with a normal one, but if this one is required, I just want to make sure because you were saying it, but just no, in case anybody didn't pick up I didn't, on exactly, I, I didn't get a chance to say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I didn't want to get too far before we missed. No, that no, I was, that's what I was going into. Is this that we don't? It's yet to be seen on, on if we can still USB drive or USB a hard drive for extra space. We don't know. We don't even know if this console will support um, actually HD disk drives. Um, a hard disk, disk drives? No. But uh, mechanical drives. We don't even know if these consoles will support that kind of thing. We don't know. But we also don't know, is is there two hard drives in this thing? Is one the SSD? And then is there one hard drive? We don't know. That's something we, we have yet to be seen. So it's kind of interesting to talk about and speculate. Well, the real the real thing that came from this, and I think the stem of the conversation we were having before this, uh, before we started recording, came from a lot of, we don't know what it means. Uh, and it, it's... It, the fear of it being proprietary, of course, and, and being set up that way is that a lot of people are speculating it's potentially proprietary because on Saul's side, and he said this on the show before, he's worried that this is a proprietary thing that's made a certain way because as far as he's concerned in the computer market right now, there is no SSD that gives you the same performance in video games. Now, the crux of the argument between me and him is that we don't know enough yet on my side and that I understand where he's coming from with it, but... Sony's gave us some bits of saying, you know, it seems like it's not going to be that it's a specially made hard drive necessarily. I think from everything they've said, but I could be entirely wrong, that what's going on here is that they have a normal SSD, but because this is a console and not a computer, this is something that can be made on the software side of not only the OS on the console, but also the way the games are made to tap into this. When you have a console and it has a spec, one of the benefits of consoles over PCs has always been a better ability to optimize. You optimize because you know bare minimum what we have. So when you make a game for PS5 and Xbox Scarlet, as it's currently called, then you know that spec-wise, you have an SSD, never anything less. Uh, now, um, that comes down to the thing of, I'm assuming that moving forward, and this is an assumption, could be wrong, but if they give you the ability to put a, a USB thing in, I don't know why either companies would regress to that, but PlayStation would be the one, from what you're saying, that have shown that they're willing to do it in the past. But... If they're going to go to the way you can't plug in an external uh, hard drive, I think what it, instead what it would happen is that it would limit you to make sure that if you plugged in, much like we see right now, you can only use an external hard drive on the PS4 if you use one with USB 3. So when you come into the PS5, I would yeah. assume that the, the stipulation will be that it has to be not only USB 3 
or whatever or connector choose, they choose to do. USB-C, hopefully. Yeah, potentially. Uh, def- and since the controllers are going USB-C, I think that's a potential. But uh, that they would have to be solid-state drives again because you can't mess with the spec. They don't want yeah. you to drop games that are designed for a solid-state drive down to a hard drive because what happens is if you're doing that and they let you do that and you start experiencing games and going, hey, I was told I would buy a PlayStation Sonic, and, and Spider-Man would load in 0.8 seconds, but it's loading for me in 12 seconds. Yeah, and you know it's, something else that's kind of crazy with this too is the games like, um, I just had a completely mental blank there, but games like Fortnite and stuff like that. I wonder in Destiny, I have an SSD. Yeah, I load into things before everybody else does. I wonder if games like Fortnite, when you have crossplay, when you have crossplay enabled, how is that going to affect it? Is it going to be like a loading screen that you're going to have to face, or a black screen, or is it phones shouldn't have a problem? It's going to be whether or not they rem- they continue to be crossplay with with old gen consoles and it'll probably be that on those games you won't see the benefits because they're online and they want to make sure that you have a consistent connection across everybody so they won't let you start playing the game because you'd get an unfair advantage until everybody's loading in you know what i'm saying yeah it's kind of like on uh, destiny even though you get loaded into everything if you go to play competitive on destiny you don't load into the match until everybody loads in correct yes and crucible yes All but everything crucible. else that's pve you just get to load in and run around. Yeah, it doesn't so, matter. It, and, it's not competitive as much as it's cooperative. Yeah, and, and every now and then I'll get a black screen where I'm, I think that the games try to load me in, but since it doesn't, it can't. It's like, and, I, and on PC I've played Crucible too, and of course that's so vastly different on what everybody's using. Yes. I think that it's interesting because I think that they're only going to let you load in when the last person's game is fully loaded. Yeah, sure. So. And I, I think that would be the case too on that. Uh, but going back to the, the, the crux of the argument, I guess, is – is this going to be proprietary and what effect does it have? And I think that there is plenty of reason for certain people who've been burned in the past with like things like the Vita uh, to say, and even the early years of the PS4 where you could not use a USB um, external hard drive. So a, a similar situation to where it comes down to like, well, why am I being, you know, what what is going on here that keeps me from this? So, you know, the argument is, is this a special made SSD that is made so different than anything else on the computer market because we don't see this on the computer at this speed level versus is this something that Sony's doing on the hardware on the software level and game developers are using on the software level to go, hey, we're making a game that's 100% made and optimized for a console that has no chance of having anything but an SSD in it, which gives them the ability to make the game only, or make the game incredibly optimized to an SSD. Whereas right now on a computer, when you are on a computer and you're using an SSD, the games still have to be made in a way in which they can completely work and load as if you had an SSD, but also completely work and load as if you had an HDD. And because a game has to be able to account for both, it does lowest common denominator. Yeah. You still get a benefit from just from just the fact that there's read and write speeds that are improved. But the game is still made the same way that it would be for an HDD, which is extra uh, assets everywhere so that it knows when it can pull them in at any given time. So all that happens on the SSD is that that goes quicker because the read and write speed is that much quicker. So you're getting to those doubles quicker and quicker and quicker. But if you have a game that's made to go, there there are no doubles. This is where this is at. And we can utilize the speed to not have to constantly search for doubles of something to pull it in. Then the game shaves off even more time because of the fact that it's made to not have to go through that that system check. Yeah. We don't know that, and that comes from a what do I believe they're trying to do versus what someone else may believe they're trying to do. And I think that there's valid arguments on both sides. I just stand on the side of until we know more, I personally think 
that what we're seeing is Sony probably doing a thing where if this is indeed a cartridge that is meant to change out the, the SSD. In and the it could system, be nothing at all. And it could be, yeah. And the, 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 I guess the first thing we probably should have said is patents do not mean a product is coming. The last time, there, there was a time a year ago, maybe two years ago, where Sony had a, a cart patent. It wasn't something that seemed to have been completely for PlayStation, though, unlike this one. And once again, you know, anybody could make a graphics and Sony PlayStation on it, too. Yep. But um, that actually ended up being a toy, like a toy thing in, in Japan. So this could be something like that. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and we see weird stuff happen all the time, like, you know, throughout the PS1 generation. I don't know if you've ever seen these. But you remember the Dreamcast and how it had a cartridge that was the memory card yeah. cartridge you could pull out and play? PlayStation had one that only released in Japan. That was the same I thing. I never saw that. No. Yeah, because it never released in our area. So you never heard of it. I didn't know about it until a couple of years back. Could have brought that to us, but they didn't. Yeah, but it goes to show that sometimes patents come out, and sometimes they come out in one region. Sometimes they just... Don't ever make it. They're just patents they're using to say, hey, we've got an idea, and just to keep someone else from being able to use this idea. Exactly. Here we are. We have a patent. Um, But where I stand, and then I'll let Saul give his thing real quick, is it seems to me, and if you were around for the 360 and had one, definitely in the later gen when they got to the last model, um, the Super Slims, as we'll call them, for the uh, the xbox uh 360 had a hard drive that was in an encasement it was a black encasement that was flat on the top came down on the sides and then had two little cutaways before going on the bottoms where it kind of looked like a trapezoid almost yeah. but not quite um anyway the way it worked is that it would just slide in and it already had all of the sata connectors and it would plug right in and then it had a little tab on it that showed you how big it was 320 gigs and you just ta- you could take that and you could yank it out and put another one in. You could go buy those directly from GameStop, Walmart, anywhere. And if you wanted to be able to upgrade your hard drive, but you did not understand how to buy a hard drive and put it into it like you could with the PS3 from launch, this is something Xbox added way later with this casing. You could just go buy one. You could say, you know what? I'm tired of the 120 gig I got. Uh, they got a 320 gig for 100 bucks. I'm gonna go buy it. Bam, slide it in. No harm, no foul. You don't have to look up anything. Truly You've module. already got it. Yeah. So what happens in this situation potentially is that if this is that's actually meant to go towards being some form of memory, I see this as Sony seeing, and this is partially just from anecdotal experience. When I'm on Facebook and different game forums, I see people constantly asking and and fretting about how hard it is to change the hard drive in your systems. It's very easy, but some people don't know enough about these things to where it's very intimidating to them. So if Sony looks at that and sees that as a problem or is getting word back from people like we'd like it to be even easier to upgrade our memory, then what Sony might be doing here is following the case of, of Microsoft here where you can buy this thing. that's already a prepackaged thing that you can just slide in and play with. But for every other person, if they want to upgrade it on their own with any SSD that they find, then what they can do is go, grab this box, pull it out, four screws to remove it, pull it up. It's just a normal hard drive. You click it in there, redo it, and slide it in. But it gives an opportunity for people that don't want to or are too scared to do that, the ability to do that while also going through and having and having an option that's more involved for people that want the control to go, yeah. I want this particular SSD in my thing. I want to go something crazy. Like say that, say that PlayStation puts these out, but their cap is a two terabyte model, whatever. And you go, I want four terabytes and you just grab the case and you just slap you a four one in there and you put it in there. I hope that that's what it is. If it even is that. And the other side of that is we could still just be seeing remnants of PlayStation leaving the opportunity of what would we make as a game cartridge if we were ever to make a handheld again, or if we were to move to PS6 being a non-disc-based media console? This may be a very early patent for what we see as a cartridge, 
for next generation when they get to the point where they just let the games run off cartridge, which seems unlikely considering they're moved to SSD, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but you go ahead and, I mean, out of curiosity, go ahead and share with everybody what your thought is on it and, and how it's going to go off. Um, as long as it's something that makes it more process, more simple, then it'll be fine. I don't, the last time we saw Sony create something new involving memory, it was ridiculously priced going back to Vita. And that is my one fear about this. However, there's nothing we can judge this off of because there's nothing on the market like it. So if a two terabyte is $400, like we could, we can look at two terabyte SSDs and think, okay, well, you know, a close to 180, $200. And you know, you double that. I'm still never going to touch that thing for $400, but you know, we don't, we don't have nothing to compare it to. It's in a league of its own, Mm -hmm. but and Sony would, if they ever made these the way I was saying, they would be marked up because it's convenience and they're making it. It's them. not only convenience, though. It's one of a kind. Oh, uh, well. Unless it, you're talking about just a tray. Yeah, I'm saying like, where it's just oh, a tray. Like, yeah. not, not something proprietary that you have to have. Yeah, you always that's gotta, a very different standpoint. You always got to pay for convenience. Yeah, so you know. That was, and, one, that was one thing that always pissed me off when I worked at CVS. They were like, why is a two liter 99 cents and a 20 ounces, a dollar, whatever it was, dollar $1.29? I'm like, yeah. It's cold and fits in your car cup holder. The yep. other one's not cold at all, and you're, what are you going to do, hold two liters you drink out of it on the way home? Yeah. No, it's, yeah. It's, it's true. You're going to pay for the convenience of the cold and, and small beverage that you could take other places. Now, here's the more weird thing about that. The last time that we saw Sony actually take the reins on creating something and not just licensing it out was the Vita memory card uh, in terms of memory accessories and all that kind of stuff. Even when it comes to official accessories for the PlayStation 4, we've seen Sony backseat this generation and just license it out to somebody. We saw that with all of the different pro controllers, which has the benefit of giving you multiple options. So if you don't like one, you have another option. What I'm curious is to who they would license this out to. Maybe SanDisk. SanDisk was who they licensed. Or Samsung. Samsung would be my preferred way. Yeah, because um, SanDisk was who they partnered with during the PSP ages, where we saw the in-between age. Sony did have the Memory Stick Pro Duo that they made and they sold, and it was proprietary, but it also worked across more than just the PSP. It worked with a couple of their cameras and a couple of other things, uh, whereas the Vita memory card only worked with the Vita. So there was even less incentive for it to be driven down in price. And on top of that, they did they did license it out to SanDisk where you could get a slightly cheaper version uh, that was just considered like, hey, it's still good. It's not to spec to what we have. Or if you just want PlayStation branded for that maximum, you know, you know for a fact that there's no issues, then bam, there you go. But that's what they did last time. And that was kind of the in-between. And the PSP memory card was not that ridiculously priced because of that. It was actually a really interesting time. Yeah, because most of Sony's uh, recorders, uh, cameras, uh, I mean like voice recorders. Uh, camcorders. Camcorders. Adam, all, yeah, that's all. That, all that used the standard pro thing. memory duo, yeah. So when you look at, and, and then even with the PSP Go, which was a weird system and a weird time for the system, they needed to bring the size of the memory card down because the unit was so much smaller. So what they did is they went to their, again, Sony proprietary, but used across multiple devices, the M2 memory card, which we saw used not only in the PSP Go, but in the Sony Ericsson phone lines, uh, one of which that Saul and I and my mom and his brother all had, a little little slider Sony Ericsson phone that all the keys cracked and broke on. Uh, Dude, that that was... A flaw that was guaranteed to happen. Absolutely, but I love that phone. Still. That was that was one of my favorite phones in the world. Yeah. So anyway, it, it's there's a lot of ways that you can see um, that they've done things that that give you reason to worry in the past, um, but at the same time, 
Sony seems to, and whether it was in response to the Vita memory card or not, Sony stopped wanting to make their own stuff and instead just license it out to somebody. Because what happens is they license it out, they get paid for everyone that's sold, but they don't lose any money and they don't get any backlash if it's priced poorly because they don't control the price. Yeah. It's kind of across the board. It's like, oh, okay. It's just- if somebody wants to yell that the Astro Pro Controller is $200 or whatever it was, then it doesn't really matter because when you're, what you're dealing with is something that Sony didn't price. Sony just said, hey, we're going to give you the ability to make a licensed official PlayStation product and you price it as you want. And if somebody doesn't like it, Astro gets to complain, not Sony. So I really, it makes me wonder, is Sony getting ready to step back into manufacturing all of their accessories as well that are outside of controller and headset? And who knows? So. Yeah, it's it's one of those two that I'm kind of excited to see how the future of this is going to end up being. Okay. Well, the other side of that conversation, unless you want to wrap it up with anything else, Saul? No, that'll be it. Okay. The other side of that conversation or of the of the topic that we kind of wanted to cover is, of course, regarding the XO19 announcements that we were talking about. And there's a lot that comes from this. Uh, so this event was quite big for Xbox for a number of reasons. It finally does what a lot of people have wanted Xbox to be doing since the beginning of the generation, and Xbox has tried, and to mixed success done throughout the generation, and that's not only bring a ton of the Japanese games to their market for the first time, uh, but also continuously expand their value. Uh, If you think about the beginning of this generation and you look at what was going on, what you had was a situation where... Xbox came out of the gate with a lack of value Yeah, in most people's eyes. The idea that the console was $100 more than the competition in terms of the PS4, the fact that it used a camera that a lot of people didn't care about and it was required, proprietary, again, something that rubbed people the wrong way. And then you get to the point where they were talking so much about TV and not enough about games, and you got to this point where, again, it felt like, so then I'll buy this console and the value won't even be there for games because they'll want me to use it too much for my TV. Um, and now Good and Bad came out of that. One of my favorite features that Xbox had and then subsequently got rid of, uh, shamefully, was uh, a shamefully towards me at least. I loved it. Uh, was there a feature where you could do essentially a... Um, a picture in picture almost like a window float mode to where you could like watch Netflix on the side in a small box while you played a game. You were the only one I ever knew that used that. I used it all the time. Blaze used it. Really? I don't think I don't think you ever did. Um, but I loved it. And that even happened once. Somebody was wanting to play Smash and I have a big TV in the living room. So what happened is I was wanting to play Call of Duty and we just looped the Wii U through the Xbox. I was still playing Call of Duty. And Jonathan and Dylan were over playing Smash on the little screen off to the side because you could set how big you wanted it to be. So yeah. we just kind of split the difference, and I was like, I'm happy with that. Perfectly fine. Um, but anyway, with all that, you saw that Xbox really stumbled into this generation. Uh, and now what I actually want to do is go over to Blake's response to me and read his question because I think it was very well worded. Uh, so Blake says... I'm interested in your take. It really seems like Xbox is going to be more of a contender next gen following the XO19 uh, reveals. They're definitely setting themselves up to fully compete with Sony. What do you think? And I think that that's really the right wording for it. Uh, they did the same thing that Sony did last generation. 
and going into this generation. Sony going into last generation let the fact that they so heartily beat the competition for the entirety of the gen pretty much that they let their hubris and bravado get to them as a lot of people talk about not that it was all bad it actually made a pretty cool system with a lot of great games that were able to tap into that power once they understood how to use it but it was still an odd decision that was bred from overconfidence and we saw xbox do the same thing xbox pretty much won the generation by beating PlayStation for the majority of the generation even if PlayStation came back and won as we've said a number of times on this podcast um overall number on the PS3 were higher than the Xbox 360. But when you look back, almost everybody agrees that whether they like it or not, whatever it be, Xbox 360 won the generation in terms of the way you think about it. It was like, it, they were always the ones hopped. It was always the one that had third parties that played better on yeah. all that situation. So coming around here, the question becomes since Sony stumbled into the generation against uh, Xbox with the 360 and then Xbox stumbled into the generation that we're in right now against the PS4, it looks like we might see the first generation in a while where nobody on either side is apparently, at least at this given moment, about a year out, nobody is messing up. Nobody has any weird signs that make you think maybe we're going to be in a weird situation. Instead, we're at a point where it looks like we might be seeing two manufacturers doing two versions of a similar but also very different thing in different ways. And what does that mean? Um, so, Saul, I'm assuming you saw all the XO19 announcements, yeah? No. Okay, so we're going to kind of go back around through them. I didn't see a so single one. One of the things that's going on here is that we're starting to learn what some of the games are by some of the teams that, that Microsoft have announced that they've acquired since the last two E3s. So first thing being that Obsidian, the people that just put out The Outer Worlds, is making an exclusive survival game. It's called Grounded. So that's one thing we're seeing. So we're seeing them start to have more and more in the way of exclusive IPs again, uh, that, which is one of the things they've talked about all generation. So there's that. Uh, the next thing is something I've been curious about for a long time, and I even mentioned a couple episodes back, and that is Project X Cloud, which is their streaming service, is coming to Windows 10, PCs, and also, of course, to console. Uh, and the other side of that, is that it will be put into Games Pass and be usable with your Games Pass library. Again, that puts it to a point where this service is now being more of a direct competitor to PS Now than what it was. Whereas earlier this generation, not even that long ago, we saw PS Now move into being a little bit more in competition with Games Pass by letting you download games on your PlayStation. Big move, yeah. And of course, adding more games to it for PlayStation while still letting you stream, which is what the service has always been. You can stream every game, but you can download some. Now we're seeing these two services come even closer together if this is going to be the way that this works out. Uh, Rare, which is one of their studios, again, announces, announces their new IP, which is Everwild. Uh, so it comes back around to them finally making something... Uh, that's a little different than what we saw with Sea of Thieves, even though they were behind Sea of Thieves, which is a great game. So again, another new IP out of them and a new, an, an exclusive one. Uh, the Seabound Soul and Fire comes to Sea of Thieves, which is, again, an update to the Rare's game. So something that we're probably going to see, these games continue to go through. Black Friday is going to be a big time for them where you can get a lot of their consoles very cheap. Uh, they have, let's see. I'll make sure I'm getting everything here. Uh don't nod have a new game that's coming it's called tell me why and uh, i don't know for sure right now it seems like it is an exclusive uh, that is a partnership with them so interesting to see uh, because it is xbox game studios so it should be exclusive uh, to at the very minimum again pc and console 
Halo Reach and all their stuff's coming over. And Microsoft has a flight simulator coming. They are finally doing Age of Empires 4 coming over. Good to see them doing that as well. Minecraft Dungeons, which is coming to everything, but they did show that. Uh, Minecraft Earth, which is their new Pokemon Go-style Minecraft game. Uh, Wastelands 3, which is uh, Exile, which is one of the studios they recently bought for PC. It's a new game coming for them as well. So again, we're seeing everything that Microsoft's been saying that they were going to do, but we're seeing them come to fruition. Now, to top all of that off and not go too much further, the last thing is all the Japanese games coming. Almost every Final Fantasy game is coming to not only Xbox, but to Game Pass. And then Kingdom Hearts, which has been a huge point of contention for a lot of people of why did three come when the rest of the series is not available on the Xbox. That is now being handled with not only 1.5 and 2.5 remix, but also 2.8 final chapter prologue, best name ever, (laughs) Um, will all be coming sometime next year to Xbox. Uh, So this is a lot going on. And the reason I think this is important and I'm going to go back to the the end of last generation one more time, and then I want to let see what you guys say, Saul. Um, you probably remember because you had one, and you were at Xbox 360 at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, the last two years, but definitely the last year of 360 had almost no releases, almost no notable announcements, and for the most part, so I mean, Microsoft was very quiet on the console. Um, Sony, on the other hand. Their final year released a number of big exclusives, a number of high-rated ex- exclusives, and the more, the best-selling game on the console, I think, at all in, um, in in The Last of Us. So when you come across all those things, it shows that we had Sony in a great position in the PS3 coming into a great position to the PS4, as we saw, and we know now is definitely true. Yeah. And we saw Xbox slowing down too much, coming into a generation in a very odd way, and then having to play catch-up. So that stunted that. The the setup made sense at the time that Xbox stumbled by how much they, that they slowed down at the end of the 360 generation, and then PlayStation did very well by doing what they'd been doing the whole PS3 generation, which was making great games and constantly pushing those games. So now that we're on a point where it looks like PlayStation's in a great spot and doing a lot of good stuff and not being too... If anything, they're being more silent than Xbox, but they're still not being too silent. It's just more silent than we would like. Uh, and then you have Xbox being very vocal constantly. So it looks like we're at a point where they're really on a more even playing ground than they were before. And that means that we come into a generation where one is not stumbling out of the gate. What does that mean? Man, so it's it's weird how you did a really good analogy about the end of Xbox and them slowing down when the way it's going into this gen, which is kind of what we're doing with, with PlayStation right now. Yeah. We're kind of slowing down and... That's what I was mentioning back earlier is that we really have a chance to see Xbox really come back next gen for sure. Really hard. Um, if they can nail, uh, if they can keep on puffing out this kind of news with XO, then um, weird name, by the way. Well, it's their, it's their yearly, essentially, PSX. I know, but Which XO. comes back to the idea of why is yeah xo is very odd but yeah it's xbox weird to say that one, like that yeah one nine but is um, that gonna is that gonna stay when the scarlet comes out i mean because whatever they call it i don't know yeah that would be interesting to see too but yeah i'm really curious as to see how this is all gonna unravel because we knew that this last gen even though xbox had a failure rate of like 40 percent or something crazy there was sony really slipped up with the ps3 you know the, the pricing of it trying to introduce it as a blu-ray player as well it really kind of killed the momentum of the PS3. And it wasn't until almost 
I would I would actually go ahead and say it pretty much till the gen generation was over that they came back because the Xbox failure like it even though the Xboxes were failing left and right people were still buying them compared to the PS3 because the PS3 was out of people's reach financially mm-hmm. and I'm really really curious to see how we start off this this new step with this next generation because with the games that they're talking about giving out and, and creating and like you said, almost every Final Fantasy game to Games Pass. That right there is worth a Games Pass subscription for a lot as long as you play those games. And it gives you a lot of content for all a that. lot. It can justify content. multiple months yes. of that service. And that right there is an absolute win. And and just I should go ahead and say it, it's not all of them, but it's Final Fantasy Seven. All the console ones that have come eight out. Eight remastered, I'm sure. nine, ten, ten two. 12, and this is all the remastered versions of 10, 10, 2, and 12. Final Fantasy 13, Final Fantasy 13, 2, Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Final Fantasy 13, and then Final Fantasy 15. They're getting Final Fantasy 14. No, not 14. Yeah, they are. I saw. I, well, I, okay, not in this list. They didn't yeah. announce it at that, apparently, but I'll double check it while you're talking. Apparently, yeah, go ahead and double check that for me. So that that right there is hundreds of hundreds of hours of content you can get for like what is it, fifteen bucks a month for the ultimate or whatever? I think it's less. The ultimate is Xbox Live, uh, Gold, and Games Pass all together for fifteen dollars. Gotcha. And um, PC technically, PC Games Pass as well. It's kind of cool there too because, um, assuming, uh. You know, we know enough about Xbox and Games Pass. We know that we could download these games. Okay, no word or anything, but apparently Saw is correct. Final Fantasy fourteen is coming to Xbox One at some point. Yeah. That's it. Um, but um, what's interesting is that this is going to be the first time in this generation you'll be able to download any of those older generation games, too. Like Final Fantasy thirteen. They mm-hmm. haven't made a remaster of those at all. Um, is Kingdom Hearts coming to Games Pass, too? No, okay. but it is coming to the console. I was going to say, that would even be even more killer. But yeah. yeah, I think that the way the way we're seeing this generation end is going to be a topsy-turvy kind of situation, depending on what happens early, early next gen for, uh, for both Sony and Xbox. With the stuff that they're announcing, they didn't announce a new Viva Pinata, and that makes me sad. But uh, with the stuff that they're announcing, you know, they could be a real big contender. Um, oh, another thing, uh, just to give you that thing. Sony is losing a pseudo exclusive in the way of Yakuza. Um, what? Yakuza One, Kiwami, uh, Yakuza Zero, Yakuza Kiwami One, and Yakuza Kiwami Two are all coming to the Xbox One. Wow, that's and actually surprising. also Games Pass. So they're they're at least listening. Where people will say like, "There's not a lot of uh, Japanese games on Xbox." Now you're getting them. Now there's a real reason for that. I, I don't know if you've seen, uh, but Nier Automata, one of the biggest uh, and surprisingly one of the biggest Japanese games of this generation. It was what a was very the name big of surprise. It? I haven't heard of that game. Really? Yeah. Anyway, um, so when it came to Xbox One, which is a big point, a lot of people kept saying, "Is it going to come to Xbox One?" And they finally did it. Right. Uh, the sales from the Xbox One version of the game, and this was much later. I will give them that. Uh, but the sales of the Xbox One version of the game made up for less than 5%, and really I think it's 3% of the game's overall total sales. Uh, and this is not something that is unique to Nier, though I think it was stretched to its peak at Nier. I think this is one of the worst-selling games that was available on both consoles at, at, at some point. Um, we saw other games that made their way or made their debuts in, in certain ways. I mean, Final Fantasy XV sold overwhelmingly. <laughs> Better on, I do on PlayStation think, though, and uh, Final Fantasy Type O remastered sold overwhelmingly better on PlayStation. It was yeah. like uh, f- 
10 or 15% of the sales were from Xbox. Uh, and, and a lot of people have speculated that, that even the Xbox ones that got sold were probably, I mean, across the board, this was a speculation about the game. A lot of people only bought it for the demo for 15. Um, but the interesting thing about all this, though, is that this is more for contention for later on because mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying here is that if you're somebody who likes Xbox and you like Japanese games or you've had an interest in them, now is the time to show that you are serious. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason we're seeing all these games come to Game Pass is that this is one of the only ways they can actually be considered profitable at this moment with Xbox gamers. This is a way to get people who are in Xbox Games Pass to try series and game styles they've that, never tried before. Well, that's my point. still making money. This is not only for people who are in Games Pass. This is for people next gen, too, who are going to look and say, well, I couldn't go over there because I don't have Yakuza. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people last gen was were saying that the PlayStation 3 versus the Xbox was not a shooter-based console. Mm-hmm. It was the fighting game console. Um, where Xbox was the shooting game console. Well, I should and, say that PlayStation was kind of the... I would almost go as far as to say like the action. It's kind of what the PS4 is in a way, but the PS4 is more well, refined, but the people, action game platform. Because Uncharted was a very big thing. Yeah, me. and I saw early this gen, specifically in places like the Xbox subreddit and uh, a couple of other places, was that that... Sony is now getting deals with Activision, making exclusive content for Call of Duty or getting exclusive early content. And now people have slowly warped around, especially with Destiny, Call of Duty. Um, You get these big first-person shooter games, and now the player base is growing. So you have this this thought in the back of your head of like, well, I could go over there to to Sony um, now that they're they're shooting... uh, their whole entire first-person shooting and third-person competitive stuff is starting to spark off compared to last gen. Yep. Now, next gen, you could say, well, now I can go to Xbox because they're having all the Japanese games I have now or I want. Well, they didn't have it previously. So yep. it, it holds them in contention really well for later on down the line. Yeah, definitely. Now, one thing just for people who are curious about Yakuza, that's th- it's just those three right now, which are all older games on the PlayStation, yeah. and they've been available on PC. Um, but it does hit that point where it opens the door for these games to even come even if it's later, it still gives the ability for them to come. They they still may remain when they're new timed exclusives. We haven't heard anything about Judgment Eyes, which came out uh, earlier this year and is technically part of the Yakuza series. It's a spinoff. Yeah. Um, and then Yakuza 7, uh, the newest one, Like a Dragon or whatever it's going to be called, uh, is not coming to Xbox day and date, for sure. Those things are known at the moment. Uh, now, that doesn't mean they can't change right. or anything, but it's just right now... It's just these three, and it seems like it's getting the feet wet. So, again, I, I implore you, if you like Yakuza and you want to do Xbox, this is your moment to show that this is that the series can actually do well in that thing if you want them to ever get to the point where they come day and date. Yakuza is a real weird game series for PlayStation because apparently the game would have never been made if it wasn't for PlayStation and the exclusivity. Um, it was one of those things where Sega did agree to publish it, but Sony was very much pushing behind it of, yeah, we want it, and, we, and you know, if you'll do it as exclusive, we'll help. Play, pay for the original game's development before it eventually found its its thriving road and whatnot. But it does set us up in, a, in, a, in an interesting situation where, to some people, and I don't want to say somebody's doing bad right now, I actually think that recently, even though it's been weird with all the people leaving back and forth, uh, seeing people moving around as well, some great moves. I think Herman Holst taking over for, uh, for Shuhei is a fantastic move. Doesn't yeah. mean that Shuhei wouldn't have also been just as great, but I th- at least they didn't replace him with somebody who I think was a bad fit. Yeah. Uh, and it's already somebody who has a legacy in the company. And I think a lot of people look to Sony to be the place, the, the place that moves people up from within. 
Uh, and there's a good a – com- and I, I'm one of them. I like all companies, even outside of gaming, that look to try and help their management be people who understand the company and have been with them for a long time because it gives a fresh set of eyes but with somebody who understands the – Ethics of the company and well, Yeah, like else. the history yeah. of the company. And we even saw that with Phil Spencer. He That was him and within Xbox. It was him moving up. Um, you know, when we were talking about Sean, uh, Sean was the same thing with PlayStation. He came up, and even though he wasn't a face we all recognized, he's someone who was within, the, who was deep within the company for a long time. Yeah. Um, but you know, what's we're in that situation right now, where even though I think Sony is quieter than I'd like them to be on the game side they're at least doing better about starting to have their upper people talk more and more, more interviews, understanding why they're doing what they're doing, seeing the things they're doing right now. And I actually think as much as I thought Jim Ryan was an odd choice, uh, he's been recently saying a lot of stuff that I really like and it surprised me. Yeah. And I think he's turning opinion on a lot. Of, I don't think I'll ever feel the same way towards him as I do plenty of other people who I don't feel like ever slipped up in a weird way, but I think he can redeem himself to a point where I think he's an okay face for SIE. And that's good enough at some point. And we'll still see how things continue to, to involve for them. But right now, I think it would be a very foolish move to underwrite and uh, and underestimate what Xbox could actually do from a competitive standpoint against PlayStation coming into this gen. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that forces, and I think Sony sees that for a number of reasons. That's why we saw PS Now drop in price. Um, I think that Xbox's actual competition or actual showing ability to be a bigger competitor starting at the beginning of the next generation when it's more of a rewrite for everybody, that a potential rewrite, backwards compatibility across both consoles does mean that we're going to probably see more people stick than want to switch yeah. because of carrying your library. But we still get to that point where Xbox shows to be a real competitor, definitely for people who are just now getting into gaming for the first time. And if you underestimate what they're doing, I think that you take away from the ability that that competition, or you take away from the fact that that competition is good for PlayStation because it does force them to think slightly outside of the box, which gave us some of the greatest years of PlayStation that I've seen throughout the PS3. Uh, we wouldn't have seen that if it wasn't for crunch and knowing that they had to come back to be a real competitor on their side. Uh, so this competition is a good thing, and I think it's led to a lot of good stuff. Uh, but that's pretty much where I'm going to wrap it out. Uh, so yeah. what's good? That's pretty much it. Yeah. I agree with pretty much everything you were saying just then. And, and um, in terms of community question, what do you want to do with that one? I think uh, same thing. Where do you see Xbox right now from your own thing? Uh, do you see Xbox as in a weird position? Do you think that they're not in a, as strong a position as we are asserting? Or do you think that they are in a spot where they can be a real big contender to PlayStation? Or are they somewhere in between at the moment for you? I uh, just want to see what people think. What is your feeling of Xbox as we move toward the next gen? That's essentially going to be the word. That works. I like yeah. it. So I will... Like I said, I'm going to set as soon as we hit in on recording, I'm going to put an alarm on my phone and get that great community feedback. I apologize for the slip up, but we love you guys anyway. I got to get out of here. I got a birthday party to go to with a bunch of kill a bunch of children. So my family's here. All right, here we go. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys. See you next time. Uh Oh, there we go. Thanks to our patrons, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, Chad V, who I keep forgetting to add in here. I got you too, but uh, my name is Dan, Douglas Below, Sean Santarud, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Funk Turkey, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, 
Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, and Dylan Kirby. If you would like to support the show with more than just your time, which we do appreciate you for, you can head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash and give as little as a dollar per month, and we'd appreciate it. Thank you.